Well, hello, church. Happy New Year. It's my first time to be with you in the new year. Glad to be back together with you as we kick off a new series. My name's Ethan. If we haven't met before, glad you're here with us. I'm one of the ministers here, and we're going to have a good day uh, today. I am still in the spirit of praising God for last year. Last year was a crazy year, but God was awfully faithful to this church last year. It was a good year, and I am just facing this new year with the same kind of expectancy, counting on God to do good things and trusting in all God's going to do in our lives and in First Christian Church. I hope you're feeling the same way. I'm excited about this series. Uh, We're launching a new series this week, and and we're launching it short. It's just going to be three weeks long, but we're actually going to come back to this series a couple times throughout the year. It's going to kind of stay with us throughout the year. You'll see why in a second later. It's a little bit different of a series. Uh, And to help you understand why I think a series like this is so important, I need to tell you a little story. Um, I was in college. I was on a a retreat for the the Christian fellowship that I was a part of where I went to school. And I will say to any of you who are college students, get plugged into some Christian community while you're in college. Don't waste those years. One of the best things I did in my life was get plugged in uh, to the Christian fellowship on my campus. So I hope you do that as well. But on this particular retreat, I was not having a good time. I was in a terrible place, uh, emotionally and spiritually. I was trying to put on a smiley face and kind of uh, participate with everything and pretend like everything was fine. I was a Bible study leader in the ministry and was trying to be in charge of stuff. And so I was kind of trying to smile and play along. But on the inside, I was a wreck. Uh, One of the exercises I remember that we did at this retreat, the speaker they had one of these, uh, these little kind of silly personality tests, you know, sort of like the, the BuzzFeed test you take of which Disney princess are you, right? They had, they had one of that for Bible characters. They had this, you answered these 20 multiple choice questions, and then it organized your answers, and it told you maybe you'd be like, it would say, you're, you're Moses, bravely following God, or, or you're one of the 12, you're, you're Peter, and you're like this, or you're some other figure. Year for your Lydia planting a church and supporting missions or whatever, and you took this little personality test and it told you which Bible personality you were. And even though I was trying to put on a good face on this retreat, uh, there was no way I was taking that test. Uh, in part, it was because I don't really like personality tests anyway. I don't like any of these personality tests. I know everybody's all into it. You know, you're, everybody's got their different one that they're into. I don't like any of them. Um, but that day, that wasn't it. It wasn't just my general resistance to all personality tests, Um, that day, I was just in a hard place. I didn't need some test to tell me that I was Moses or Ezra or whatever. Uh, Because if there was an Old Testament character that I felt like that day, I felt like Elisha's servant. You might not know this little story, but uh, Elisha had, uh, was a great prophet, and he'd done some prophesying, and he'd gotten himself in a little bit of trouble with the local king. And so the armies of the king were chasing them from town to town, and they'd hidden in this little city. And uh, 2 Kings 6 says, the servant of the man of God, the man of God is Elisha, his servant got up. And went out in the morning and he saw the army and the horses and the chariots had surrounded the city. And he said, oh no, my Lord, 
what shall we do? And the prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant was like, I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. But see, that day I was Elisha's servant. All my friends, they were like, this is going to be the best year ever, and God is with us, and God, we, we believe, we trust. And I was like, I don't see it. All I see are enemies. All I see are threats. I don't see God anywhere. And maybe you've been in a place like that. Maybe you're in a place like that today. Everybody around you sees hope and sees possibility and sees victory. And all you see are threats. All you see are enemies. And you just can't see it. I don't want to take this stupid personality test because I didn't need a test to tell me which of the 12 disciples I was. You know, I didn't want some test to tell me I was Peter or I was Andrew. I knew if if I was one of the 12 disciples that day, I knew who I was. I was Thomas. Poor old Thomas. Poor old Thomas. We don't know much about Thomas. He's only got one featured story. And from that story, he gets the name Doubting Thomas. I don't think that's a very fair name. You can go read the story in John chapter 20. I think if we're going to give Thomas a name, I would give him the name Reasonable Thomas. Pretty good point, Thomas. Not all that crazy Thomas. Because here's the situation, right? Jesus has risen from the dead. And first he reveals himself to a few people. And then all the disciples are hanging out praying. And Jesus comes and reveals himself to all the disciples. And they get to see him, except Thomas wasn't there. Uh, Verse 24, John chapter 20. You can We jump into this story. Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. They they had a testimony. And these are Thomas's friends, people Thomas knows. And they're like, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas says, yeah, I didn't see it. He says, your testimony is not enough. He says, unless I see it myself. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand to his side. I won't believe. That's the way I felt on that retreat. Everybody around me, it felt like they had a testimony to what God had done in their life that year and how good God had been to them and how God had strengthened their faith and how God was working. Everybody around me, they had a testimony. And they're like, Ethan, don't you believe? We all have a testimony. And then I was like, but I want a testimony. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I don't want to hear about how other people see it and feel it. And how other people saw Jesus move in their life, I want it for me. I want it. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you feel like that. People around you. Everybody's saying, here's what God did in my life. You know? And you're like, I want that. I don't have that. I want that. Everybody's saying, Ethan, take the test. Find out who you are. Which Disney princess are you? Which Bible hero are you? You know, maybe you'll be Lydia, church planter, and sponsoring a mission and all this. I was like, no, no, no. If I'm some random Bible character, I know who I am. I don't need your test. I'm the the help my unbelief guy. You know this guy? 
This might be my favorite guy in the whole Bible. You don't know this guy. You got to know this guy. I call him the help my unbelief guy. This story, uh, um, Gospel of Mark tells it, uh, Jesus has been up, uh, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and James and Peter and John have been with him, and he's been revealed in all his glory, and they're just starting to figure out who he is. They're like, oh my goodness, we think you're the Son of God. And he's like, yeah, don't tell anybody, but you're starting to catch on, and it's a big deal. And they, they go back down the mountain, and they meet a, a father and a son, and the son is... As, as a demon, and, the, and Jesus' other disciples have been trying to heal the son, and they just can't, they can't do it, and they're kind of stumped, they don't know what to do, and they come over to Jesus, and like, we can't heal this kid, and we're doing the stuff you taught us, and it's not working, and Jesus is like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll handle it, and he, he steps into the situation, and, and we pick up the story in Mark 9, verse 20, and they, they bring the boy to Jesus, and uh, when the Spirit saw Jesus... It, it threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And he says, you pay attention to this answer. He says, from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You hear that if, that if, that's a big if there, right, you know? You know, if you can, I mean, we're not expecting much, Jesus. We're not kind of, we're not counting on you really, Jesus. But, you know, I suppose if you've got something, you could do something, that'd be okay. Your, your disciples tried, and they couldn't do anything. But I guess if, if you could do something, that'd be, that'd be something. Jesus hears the if. In fact, he responds. He says, he says if you can... What do you mean, if you can? Everything is possible for the one who believes. And remember, whenever you see the word believe like this in the Bible, it means the one who trusts. It isn't about intellectual belief, you know. Like not do you believe, you know, do you believe in airplanes? Not do you believe they exist, but do you believe, you believe in them enough to trust them to get on one and fly across the country? That's the, that's the kind of belief it's talking about here, trust. Everything is possible for the one who trusts. And the boy's father says, I do believe. Help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do trust. Help me overcome my lack of trust. All my hope is in you. Help me overcome how little hope I still have left. Have you ever felt like that? Where you just got a little hope left, and all the hope you got, it's in Jesus, but boy, it's not very much. And you got a whole lot more unhope than you do hope. A whole lot more untrust than you do trust. A whole lot more unbelief than you do believe. Maybe you feel like that today, even. I don't know. See, this is my sophomore year in college. I'm at this retreat, and everybody's taking this silly little test. But I was in a place that weekend uh, that I hadn't been before. Spiritually, I mean. I was in a place in my faith that I hadn't been before. I've been there since several times. But that was my first time there. 
a place where I had more questions than answers, where it felt like I had more doubt than faith, more worry than hope. I was scared, and I didn't want anybody else to know. I had so many questions, brand new questions, questions I hadn't anticipated, questions I didn't even think I would ever ask, you know? And I was scared of my questions. The questions sort of felt like a wall between me and Jesus. Like, like if I didn't figure out these questions, if I didn't do some of these questions, I'd never get back to Jesus. I was scared of my questions. I, more than just being scared of them, I was ashamed of my questions. It felt like these were questions I wasn't supposed to ask. I was a church kid and raised in a church family, and I was leading Bible studies in my church group at college, and, and I wasn't allowed to ask these kinds of questions. Now, here's the thing I've learned since then, and this college is getting to be a long time ago for me now, so I've had a lot of living since then, more living since then than I'd had at that point, which is hard for me to believe, but it's true. What I've learned since then is it turns out the kinds of questions that I was asking, well, those are just the kinds of questions that come up in life. And the only way to avoid those kinds of questions is to avoid living. Because life just brings up its own questions. I've learned this from my own living and my own questions. And I've learned this from living with and sitting with other people with their questions. It turns out questions like this are common. Big questions or little questions that still don't have answers. And you, and you need them to have answers. And you've got to know what to do with them. It turns out questions like this are, are real. I tell you, another thing I've learned in life, both from my life and from sitting with other people, is a question like this, a good question, questions about faith and questions about meaning and questions about purpose. This is the worst thing about them. What I'm about to tell you is you can't unask a good question. You'll wish you could unask it. You'd be like, I wish I'd never thought of that question. I hope it never comes up again. I'm just going to pretend like I don't have that question. But once you've got a question, you've got a question. You can't unask a good question. Other people will tell you to ask. Maybe you'll, you'll tell somebody your question. They'll don't even ask that question. And you'll just be like, I'm sorry, it's too late. You can't unask a question. I've, I've learned since then that what I was doing that day, hiding my questions from everybody around me and hiding them even from myself and trying to hide my questions from God, I've learned I'm not the only one. Lots of people do that with their questions. They try and hide their questions. Or deny their questions or pretend their questions don't exist. Sometimes it's because, like I was, they're ashamed that they have questions. You know, I shouldn't have these questions. I'm a, I'm a good Christian. I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't be struggling with this. Maybe it's they're afraid of their questions, right? That happens. People wonder, what if this question doesn't have an answer? What if this question is like the, the thread on an old sweater and you start tugging on it and pretty soon you got no sweater left? The whole thing just unravels. Sometimes people hide their questions because a question like this is a way that we express doubt. And maybe you got taught that good Christians never have any doubts and people of faith never, never have 
doubt. And maybe you got that in your head. And in this series, later in the year, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on doubt. And I don't want to steal that whole sermon, but I just want to say a little bit right now. I, just, I want you to know that God isn't afraid of your doubts. Okay? Doubts are a normal and natural part of the life of trust. Uh, here, I'll get to give you one little example. Just maybe this will give you some encouragement if, you're, if you got, a lot of, got some doubts today. This is Matthew chapter 28. This is the very end of Jesus' ministry. He's risen from the dead. He spent time with the disciples. He's about to deliver the great commission and send them off into ministry. This is the very end of the gospel of Matthew. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The risen Lord is standing in front of them. And they still, some of them, I don't know, I'm not sure. This seems risky to me. They got questions. They got doubts. Jesus doesn't scold them for their doubt. He doesn't belittle them for their doubt. He doesn't reject them from their doubt. He doesn't push them away. He sends them on mission. I just want you to know, if, you're a, if, you, if you are trying to trust Jesus, but you've got some doubt today, it turns out that's a qualification for mission. Listen to what Jesus does next. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what Jesus does. He looks at a group of people that worship and doubt. That's us. A lot of us this morning, isn't it? We're here worshiping, but we've also got some questions. We've got some concerns. We've got some confusion. We've got some misunderstandings. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you into mission. You're exactly the kind of people that can do my mission. Doubt is not the opposite of trust. Okay? Doubt is the opposite of certainty, but it's not the opposite of trust. You know, think of it like this. You're, you're, on a, you're on a big boat like the Titanic or something, and it wrecks, and you got to get into a lifeboat. And you, you see that little tiny lifeboat, and they say, all right, 20 of you get into that lifeboat. And you're like, I don't think that's going to hold 20 people. And they'll say, it will. You get in there. 20 of you get in there. You'll be fine. And you get in the lifeboat, and you're sitting there floating, and you're like, I don't know. I don't think they inspected these lifeboats, and I don't think it's going to hold. And that wood looks rotten to me. Those are doubts about the lifeboat. And those doubts have no effect on whether that lifeboat sinks or floats, okay? How do I know you trust the lifeboat? Because you're in it. See, to trust is not the opposite of doubt. To trust is to depend on something. To put your life into someone's hands. That's to trust. You may still have doubts. Like, I don't even know. I'm worried. But I'm giving, you know, I'm putting, Jesus, I'm going to put all my eggs in your basket. I'm a little worried about that basket, but I'm still, you get all the eggs. All my eggs are in your basket. That's trust while doubt. Trust and doubt are not opposites. And, and one of the ways, I guess what I'm saying, maybe the reason I'm talking about doubt, is because one of the ways doubt sometimes gets expressed in our life is with these big questions. With these big questions. Uh, good questions. Real questions. Questions that once you ask them, you can't unask them. You can't just shove them down. You might try, but that won't be any good for you. The other thing I want you to know is that these are inevitable questions, okay? I'm not saying not everybody is going to ask every question, but everybody will eventually have questions about faith and life. Like that, 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 that retreat I was on in college, a big part of the reason that my faith was a wreck right then was that just six weeks prior, I had gone to the funeral for my grandmother. Some of you knew my grandmother, Gail Phillips. Uh, she passed away from cancer when I was in college. 
Well, I had prayed for my grandmother's recovery like I had never prayed before in my life. Multiple times a day, on my knees, begging God to save my grandmother. And I, I prayed with confidence. In fact, I just was so sure that my grandmother was going to be healed in this life. And then she wasn't. And all of a sudden, I had a question. I had a question I'd never had before. God, where were you? God, why didn't you heal my grandmother? See, I'm just saying, you live long enough, you're going to have questions that just happen. They just emerge. And you can't unask a question once you've asked it. Uh, six, six months ago, something like that, a woman came up to me, told me the story of her life. It was a story of great suffering. And she asked me this question. She said, how can I trust God for my future when this is what God has allowed in my past? That's a good question. And I want you to know that's actually a question God blesses. We're going to talk about that eventually. See, you, you, you can't unask a question like that once it occurs to you. Or a student grows up in the church and asks me, how can I trust that the Bible, is, which claims to be this holy book, is different from all the other religions who all have their holy book? How do I know this holy book is different than that holy book? Well, that's a good question. And once you've asked that question, you can't unask that question, you know? Well, how do I know the difference? Or, or a teenager who's got access to Google asks me this question. Um, I found a website that says the Bible was made up. And we can't know what the actual Bible said. It's been so long. How can we know what the Bible actually said and whether the people who wrote it knew what they were talking about? Well, that's a good question. It deserves a good answer. A really good question, right? We don't figure out the answer to that question. We don't have very much to say, do we? And we could go on and on, whether it's through life or suffering, or study, or just one day you're in the shower and all of a sudden it pops in your head and you've got a question. A real question. A question you can't unask. And here's what I know from experience. Sometimes, if it's the right question, if it's a, a good enough question and a tough enough question, it will scare the pants off you. Questions like this can be scary. Sometimes we get afraid of our questions, you know. We, we think this question is a, is a threat to our faith. We think that. But I guess what I want you to know is I actually believe questions like this are a gift to our faith. And that, that, that a question like this, if you, if, you, if you let God work through it, your faith will emerge stronger, more steadfast, and more reliable, and less fragile than it was to begin with. That's what I think. Now, don't get me wrong, questions dealt with poorly can be a threat to your faith. If you pretend the question doesn't exist and just shove it down, it will gnaw away at you because you can't unask a good question. It will gnaw away at you. Or, or if, you, if you just decide, I, I know people who do this sometimes, like, well, man, I got this really good question and I, I can't figure out the answer. I guess there must be no answer. I guess the whole thing's just hooey. No, that's just lazy. Just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean there isn't an answer. Get to work. Do some study. Seek God. Challenge God to, to help you resolve a good question, you know. 
Don't give up fast. Because I'm telling you, the questions that emerge, the questions that emerge out of a life of faith or a life of study or just a life of living, these questions are an opportunity for God to build your faith. You remember those stories I told you that I was thinking about on that college retreat about the servant who couldn't see hope when Elisha could or about Thomas who couldn't believe in Jesus because he didn't have his own testimony or about that father who had a little bit of belief but needed Jesus to help him with all his great big unbelief. The reason I was focused on those stories wasn't because they were stories about doubt and I was filled with doubt, although that was true. It wasn't because they were stories about questions and I had lots of questions, although that was true. The reason I was focused on those stories is because they were stories of hope and I needed hope. Okay, you got to figure out that in every single case, they had real questions and real struggles, and they took them to God, and they were blessed. Thomas's questions were a gift. Uh, imagine if Thomas, instead of saying out loud, "I just, I just don't have faith like you all." Imagine if he'd just been kind of like. Push, shove that down. Okay, I'll believe on their testimony. Imagine what he'd missed. Instead, what Thomas said is, I need my own testimony about Jesus. I need God to reveal God's self to me. I want to see it. And maybe you can look back in John 20 and you can find out what happened. Because Thomas kept hanging out with the disciples, them all believing, and him, all, him doubting. They're believing, and he's doubting, and they're believing, and he's doubting. But he doesn't give up. He stays in it. And a few days later, Jesus shows up. And he says, where's Thomas? Here. Come see my hands. Come touch my side. Now you believe. That's Jesus. That's how Jesus responds to Thomas' doubt. And what does Thomas do? He goes off to be a missionary to India and, and, and baptize the whole continent practically. He, see, he goes to Jesus with his questions, and he, in response, he receives the gift of a renewed faith. Now, what about that servant, right? The servant who he, they're trapped in the city, and he, all he can see are the enemies, and Elisha is there chilling. He's like, we're fine. We got armies. We're good. And the servant's like, boy, I wish I had your faith, Elisha. I wish I could see what you see, Elisha. I wish I had your... I've, I've been in that situation so many times, surrounded by faithful people. Well, I got no faith at all, and I'm just like, man, I wish I could see what you see. But see, I learned from this passage... And so I pray that exact prayer, God, help me to see what they see. I need the confidence in your power, God. And Elisha prays that prayer. And just for a minute, he can see with the faith of Elisha. He sees chariots of fire. He's like, oh, we're going to be fine. 
And Elijah's like, yeah, that's what I was telling you. Next time you'll just believe me. And he's like, man, that's going to be awesome. See, that's, that's it. He, he has the question. Because he brings the question to God, his faith is now stronger. The question he thought was going to weaken and destroy his faith, because he brings it to God, actually becomes the opportunity for God to renew his faith and leave his faith stronger than it ever was. And what about that dad? What about that dad who, who prays my favorite prayer in the whole Bible? There are a handful of prayers you ought to memorize from the Bible. You ought to memorize the Lord's Prayer. and You probably should memorize Psalm 23. There are a handful of prayers worth memorizing. But I'm telling you, the most important prayer I memorized in my life is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Most useful prayer in my whole spiritual life. I want you to see what happened next. Let's come back into that story, Mark 9. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it's often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, and he's not sure, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can. Do you know who you're talking to? Everything is possible for the one who trusts, who believes, who puts their hope in me. And immediately the father gets real for a minute. He just has this, this honest moment with Jesus. And he says, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. I wish he told us something about the ratios, right? Is it, a, is it a little bit of belief and a lot of unbelief? Is it a lot of belief with a little bit of unbelief? I, I wish I knew what the ratios are. Because I've lived every ratio you can imagine. I like to think it's a little bit of belief and a lot of unbelief. He says, I don't know, Jesus. I just got this tiny bit of trust that you can do something and a whole lot of skepticism. That's what I got. Could you please help me? He goes to Jesus with that prayer. And some of you today, you've got it in your head that if you go to God with that prayer, that you'll be met with Jesus' rejection or met with Jesus' scorn. Come back when you've got more faith. Come back when there's none of this mixture with unbelief. Come back when you're solid. But that's not what Jesus does at all. He sees the crowd running together. He rebukes the unclean spirit. He says, you mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said he is dead. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. The father is honest with his questions, and Jesus is generous with his love. Hear that a couple times. The Father is honest with his questions, and Jesus is generous with his love. The Father is honest with his questions, and Jesus is generous with his love. I just want to give you my testimony. That has been my reliable experience of God. That when I am honest with my questions, my God is generous with his love. I hope some of you out there right now, when you hear my testimony, I hope some of you believe my testimony. But I hope some of you are like Thomas. I hope some of you are like, I don't want to hear your testimony. I want to hear it for myself. Great. You try it. I dare you. Tell God your questions. And you wait to find out. How generous God will be with God's love. 
Sometimes that journey is long and it's painful. I have been ta- I've, I've time, times taken God's to questions for months, trusting in the generosity of his love. And this is my prayer. I'm telling you, memorize this prayer. It's a good one. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I got this tiny little bit of trust, but the little bit of trust I have, I'm putting it all on you, Jesus. So what we're doing in this series is we're inviting good questions, the kinds of questions that come up in life. We're kicking off the series the next two weeks uh, talking about questions people often have about the Bible. The first two weeks of the series are going to be driven by questions that I've had in my life of faith, but also some of the most common ones that I get from people in ministry. How can I really trust the Bible? That's where we're going to start these next two weeks. But then we're going to take a break. And the reason we're going to take a break is because the rest of the series is going to be driven by your questions. We really mean it when we say glad you asked. I want to know, what are the questions right now that are standing between you and a life of deeper faith that you would like to bring before God? I'm not saying we'll get the answers in one sermon, but we'll work through them and we'll talk about them because we've got questions and our God is glad we've got them. Because what our God knows is what I can testify to, that when you take your questions to God, that is the path toward a stronger faith, not a weaker one. That's what I know. So uh, you could actually get started today. You've got the connection cards. You can write a question down on the connection card. Uh, There's no way we'll be able to deal with every question that gets submitted. We're going to get a ton submitted. But we'll kind of look for what are the themes, and we'll try and address as many as we can. So if you've got a question you'd like us to address in this series, I had somebody come up to me um, after last service. They said, Ethan, I wrote a question down. It's not my question. I wrote it down because it's the question my grandson keeps asking me. My grandson is struggling with his faith, and and he's not even sure he believes anymore. And he keeps asking me this one question, and I don't know the answer. So I wrote it down. Maybe that's the question. Maybe you're going to write down a question that kind of isn't your question, but it's one you're getting asked. I don't know. But maybe it is your question. It's the question that right now stands between you and a stronger, deeper, more reliable faith. Uh, Maybe it's a question that's been inspired by your study. You know, you've learned something, and I don't even know. Okay, great. Write that down. Maybe it's been inspired by life. Maybe you've suffered. A lot of our questions flow out of suffering because there's a lot of suffering in the world. It makes us wonder, what's God up to? What's going on? Maybe you've got questions related to that. You can start today. Write them down in the comment card. I hope you will do that. That's a great way. And then several times throughout the year, we'll have new, I'll kind of remind you that we're doing this and kind of call for questions again. Uh, But right now, I want to end back with this prayer. A prayer that, like I said, a lot of, lots of good prayers in the Bible, and I hope you learned a bunch of them. But if you need a prayer to get started on, you learn this one. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I trust. Every bit of trust I have is in you. There's just not very much of it. Would you please help all the ways I'm struggling to trust? Lord, I hope. But I don't hope confidently. Would you help the places where I lack hope. I'm just telling you, if you just learn to pray that prayer, God loves to answer that prayer. And maybe that could just be how you get started. If you've got questions, you write them down on that card. I, I, I Think of this as a spiritual way. Is it going to wave you to say? And if you'd rather, maybe you don't want me to preach about it. Maybe you want to meet and have breakfast and talk about it. Okay, write that down on the card too or track me down. Let's get together. But bring your questions to God. Don't hide them. That won't help. You can't unask a question like this. 
Don't ignore them or pretend like they don't give up and now nah, there's no answer. I guess I should just walk away. Don't be ashamed of your questions. Life leads to questions. Everybody has them. We just don't all admit we have them. Just learn the prayer. That's how you get started with a question. You learn this prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let me pray for you. Maybe we can pray that together right now. God, would you just hear the prayer of our hearts? God, we, we trust you, but there are gaps in our trust. Would you please help those? God, we put our hope in you, but we lose confidence in our hope. Would you please give us hope? God, we believe in you. Would you please help our unbelief? Oh, merciful God, like you did with the Father, when we come to you, with our questions, would you please respond to us with your love? We just, we just write this minute, just we, we read all these texts, we see what you did to Thomas, and we see how you were faithful to the servant, and see how you were faithful. So many more we could look out throughout Scripture that came to you with their questions, and you responded with your love. And we're just asking, would you do that for us right now? I pray for the people right now who, who maybe didn't even know they had a question, but all of a sudden now it's popped in their head and they can't get rid of it. Would you just be faithful to them, God, right now in this time and respond with their love? Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.